0: Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody. Um, it's uh, August eighteenth, and uh, we're only half an hour late. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. We
1: hope, hope that you're listening to us and you're actually here. And, and Blog Talk Radio is absolutely rock solid. We love them. They're yeah. a wonderful platform. And the operators who do this, that would be me and Ursula, do not always have our shit <laughs> together. So our apologies. No, absolutely. And, no, I, I really and, am. Uh, I'm
0: hugely time zone challenged, as uh, this radio show is a very, very good example of. And uh, I think I need to uh, make myself a huge big sticker on the wall saying Blog Talk Radio radio, it doesn't need my translation. I just need to do what they tell me to yeah. do. <laughs> well, you know
1: so what? Anyway. Here we are, and we're grateful, and so we'll do this as a, as a shorter, more like on track kind of targeted 30 minutes here um, to talk about some of the questions that we've been getting. This is a, one of our favorite things, and I think it's because for me as a coach, I don't get to give advice very often. <laughs> yeah, I know shit <laughs> That's so that's actually, really
0: that is wonderful, and I, I want to say before we start that um, we are uh, going to present the questions in a way that um, that will not enable people to identify um, with specific uh, specific people or specific clients. Yeah. So we'll be will be neutral, and and maybe you know the questions really are more universal. than we think they are, I
1: I think they really are. Well, we had one. I want to start with a really great question and it was about sustain. it's about sustainable change so let me read it to you yeah um this is about uh this person says i see this in my own behavior as well as clients i work with and their employees behavior change starts may even continue for two to three months and then i love this line it's deja vu all over again
0: Mm. Old behaviors
1: restart, performance drops off, and after another coaching session, things are back on track. So the question is, with what you're learning through neuroscience, is it possible to really set the reset switch so it's like Velcro, no sliding Mm. back, but about achieving a new normal? Yes. That is just a great question. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is is wonderful. So um, let's start with you, and uh, what do you have to say about that? Um, you know, I think that I think sustainable change is one of the it's it's the twenty thousand dollar question because as you as she so rightly puts and as you and I have seen, you know, we have ideas of how we want to change, and I actually think that in the early stages of change, a couple of things um, can help us begin. You know, why it's easier early on. Um, Mm A couple of things. One is that sometimes the change is novelty. So, for example, I remember Mm -hmm. um, a long time ago I needed to change my diet because of some food sensitivities. And at first, quite interesting, this was novel. I hadn't done it before. Mm -hmm. Novelty can give us a little boost of adrenaline and even dopamine dopamine is rewarding so easier early on to say this is kind of new and exciting even if it's a difficult change so easier Mm -hmm. to start um, but harder to maintain So, so I I like to at least have that perspective about why it can be really fun to start a new program, but after a while, it's not. After a very short while, it's not so novel anymore, and these older pathways Mm -hmm. that are like Mm -hmm. for me were more about eating in a different way, or this could be about exercising or about. you know, emotional changes, the older mm-hmm. pathways, which are very well developed, just take over.
0: Yeah, they sort of knock on the door. Um, I also find that when I want to change something, and you are absolutely right, and I've actually never thought about it that way, um, you know, I love trying out new things, and so I'm all gung-ho about it, and uh, absolutely, for me, um, it probably will last for, you know, a couple of weeks, and then I begin to sort of slide back down again. Now, in regards to this client, and, you know, I've seen this in my own coaching practice, I also think that some sometimes circumstances and people can sort of remind us of the old pathway that we want absolutely. to change.
1: Well, and absolutely. I think that's what the you, hard part. What you have also is that the more the more um, compromised our brain is, so the more and I want to get to how we do this um, the, the So the more stress we're under. Um, you know, if we're tired, they say in AA, uh, what is it? I can't remember it now, but it's about if you're tired or hungry or angry. There's a yeah, acronym said, in said, Yeah, Yeah, sad, said, tired, yeah.
0: hungry, yeah
1: all of that, that that's gonna, you're more at risk to um, continue your addiction. And so that's really true in the brain. The brain to start to do something new takes more energy. And so when we're doing a new program of any kind or new behavior, we need to be aware that that is highly energy consumptive. And if, you try, if your life continues at the same pace, you're not getting enough sleep, you're not getting good food, you're not getting enough exercise, you're, stressed, you're, do, you're not managing stress, much, much harder to actually learn and sustain mm-hmm. a new pathway. Mm-hmm. Now, last year around New Year's, you know, because in the United States and I think some other countries, um, the whole thing about New Year's resolutions, that's oh, usually yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah. We're gonna, oh, this yeah. is going to be a new year, um, well, so I decided, you know, I'm going to really look it up here. Like, how long, what's the research say about how long it takes to, to change? So, mm-hmm. Ursula, do you have, I can't remember if I shared this with you. Do you have any idea? What, what do you think? What, is, what do most people think about making change? Well, I,
0: there's, there's a variety of wisdoms out, out there that say it takes at least 21 days, of, but doing it every day. So that is sort of the, the one statistic
1: that I have heard. Yeah, we've, you know, 21 days, sometimes six weeks. Well, this was a really, really good study, and now I apologize. I can't remember where it was. Uh, I hate when I do that. Uh, but it, the study basically said it is anywhere from two weeks to a year. Oh, well, so well I guess it depends on the, on the pathway it depends right. on the pathway, right. it depends mm-hmm. on the motivation, there's way too many factors and so this old thinking that we've had that six weeks to make a change, you know, is kind of common, It it might work, you might actually be able to make the change more quickly or it might mean that you actually need accountability and focused effort for a year and you get, there's like a, there's a, um, it's not a bell curve, but there, I, there's a name for this. You basically you you get greater reward earlier on. You see more drastic change mm-hmm. earlier on. Yeah. Similar, like in weight loss, you get your you get your quicker yeah. weight loss sooner, um, but then to really anchor it in, you have to stay the long term. And I think this is why. Um, In this question that we have, people are saying, you know, a couple of months, well, you're getting your biggest chunks of change then and it's rewarding and you're seeing, oh, these are good, I'm having better results here. And then the old behavior creeps back in because people think this is now sustained but it actually won't become that, some things may not become that Velcro until they've been practiced for a year, and for the last six months or so, you may only get very, very small incremental changes Mm -hmm. toward it becoming Velcro, which are less motivating. Well, and, uh, you know,
0: I, I so understand it. I mean, it, then you know, when it takes too long, people want to give up. You know, yeah. it's, it's like they don't see the results they're hoping for and therefore they they think it's not working or it's not worth it. So what this really makes me think of, Anne, in coaching is that um, we need to help the client um, be excited about um, the change. So we need to help them. Um, get a little bit of a dopamine uh, hit, a little reward yeah. system going or having them see what they're trying to do in new and exciting ways um, because I think otherwise, as you say, they'll fall, um, fall off the bandwagon.
1: That's a really I think that could be a really excellent coaching strategy to take just another you know um, another perspective on this or um, bring in one other new thing that's closely related to you know the general behavior change so um, so that it does it. I really love that you say that so it stays interesting and exciting and motivating. I think also to let our clients know that mm-hmm. you know. What they've what they've done for forty years does not get changed in three months, <laughs> yeah. um, no matter how hard they try. There was an old in the old days back back in the day. I used to um, be involved in the est training, and Werner Erhard mm-hmm. founded that. And he had some really good sayings. I don't know if they were original or if he got them from somewhere else, but he used to say, "I love this analogy." he Used to say, Tran- "Here's what happens with transformation: people do some efforts." Um, toward changing themselves, toward transformation. And they invest in a coach or they go to some seminars, things like that. And it's like watering the tree. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is after you water the tree for a while, the tree bears fruit. Mm -hmm. What human beings typically do is at that point they pick the fruit and they've decided they have this tree that is bearing all this fruit and isn't it wonderful? What a beautiful, healthy tree. Let's eat all the fruit. And they forget to water the tree.
0: Oh, that's so, cool.
1: Isn't that good? And yeah. So when you think about you know, someone who invests in coaching, a leader, you know, maybe they get a 360, they need to learn to be more emotionally aware, they invest in a coach, they start doing some of these things, they start having more vulnerable conversations with their direct reports, it starts paying off yeah. a couple of three months they're getting a little better they can feel meetings are going better this is working and then they decide i'm good i don't need the coach anymore i don't need any help and they pick the they're so enjoying all these fruits they forget to water the tree the tree is not actually large enough and sustainable enough to mm-hmm. live without water maybe ever mm-hmm. they don't do mm-hmm. the things that got them there and they're back where they started
0: yeah, uh really that really makes a case for um, if if people really want to uh, change something that they have been doing for many 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 years, so, so really talk about some very fundamental deep seated transformation. It really makes a case for a year long program.
1: Yeah, and support. I support that. And I think that's really good, and that's why a lot of leadership programs, like CTI's leadership program is a year. A lot of good leadership programs within organizations, Mm -hmm. they'll they'll take place over six or nine months. And there's a number of reasons for that, including the spacing of learning, um, that you can't just learn something in a weekend. You need to have some repetition and some reflection and all of that. No,
0: that's uh, that's great.
1: Yeah, so I think that...
0: That's yeah. Art, no, and I, art. you know, I can see it in myself. Uh, I mean, uh, you and I have been, uh, you know, working with this wonderful tracking sheet, and I noticed that after three weeks, I got bored with it, and I needed to change yeah. it. And now I've completely upended it, and you know, turned it upside down, and I do completely different things. And it's sort of intuitively, I knew I needed something else to keep me
1: going. That's you a know, really keep the good excitement point. Going there's there's kind of two things. One is it gets to be not as interesting, but it hasn't yet stuck to create it as a habit that's automatic. Mm-hmm. And there's that mm-hmm. dangerous kind of gray area where not so much, not so novel, but not yet to the point where it's just locked in. I think about mm-hmm. I've been trying to change something Around um, if there's a uh, you and I 've talked about this is a thing called oil pulling, and i 've gotten into oil pulling. Well, I think about like brushing my <laughs> teeth it 's a funny but it 's a useful analogy, so brushing my teeth that 's a habit it 's just mm-hmm. like you know putting a seatbelt on in the car i don 't want to go to bed without brushing my teeth well i 'm trying to get oil pulling to that same level mm-hmm. where it 's just automatic and it 's not. Now, when I first started it, it was novel and it was kind of interesting. Now I'm in this gray area where yeah. it's, it's, it's not exciting, but it's not a habit. And I know really the answer here is to continue doing it. And at some point, it'll be like putting like, like putting your seatbelt on in a car. You know how weird you feel when you don't have it? Oh, yeah. And you automatically reach to put it on. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. That's a, that's an in, that's a habit. You don't have to think about it. It feels weird and uncomfortable if you don't do it. That's what we're looking for in some of these things. Mm-hmm. And you got to get through the gray area um and I really love your strategy Ursula. I hadn't thought about it of kind of making it fun again. Keep making it fun. Mhm. Well, and, and uh, really another good. point in
0: uh, what I'm uh, seeing in this conversation is, as, uh, as a coach, is actually identifying what is that gray area. You know, we I think this is, might be different for each person in each setting for each challenge. But what is the experience? What's the feel? How does the body know it's in a gray area? How does the body know? You know, really exploring what does what is that? What is that gray area where yeah. we start? Where we you know where we're in danger of um, just dropping uh, it, yeah. whatever it is before it becomes before a habit.
1: It be- before, it becomes, mm-hmm. before it becomes a habit, yeah. um, before it's locked in and has, is a body memory. There's some other yeah. stuff we can do around memory. We can, you know, real quick, and then we'll go on to another question. Um, the more emotionally salient it is, the more um, the more uh, habit has an emotional component um, the easier it is to, con- to continue on with it and to actually remember to do it. The mm-hmm. more we involve multi-sensory um, aspects to it, so that it's not mm-hmm. just a mental thing but a physical thing, uh, you know, t- t- taste, touch, smell, all of that really helps us remember. Um, mm-hmm. The more closely we focus and are mindful about it, that kind of cements it in. There are some definitely some additional things that we can do as well. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. That was Good. a wonderful question. Okay, oh, let's yeah. go
0: to the next one.
1: Um, I want to do this question that you and I were talking about of our clients who end up with um, too much of not the right thing. Can we go yeah. there? Yeah, let's I let's, let's really go great. there because
0: so, I think a lot of coaches can identify with that and a
1: lot of people uh, can identify with that. Great. So let's see about um, what do you – what this was a question that had come to you. So tell us a little more about what the actual question is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, this uh, was a person who um, shared with me – we were talking, so just to give it a little bit of context, we were talking about um, what it feels like when we are either overwhelmed or bored. And uh, I talked to her about the prefrontal cortex and that the prefrontal cortex just likes it just right. Um, and so um, I we talked about This was in a group call, and I think culturally, I think you sort of have a tendency to look at overwhelm first, because I think in our culture, that's probably a little bit more visible. And so she said, and I loved it, she said, well, I get all that, but what about when you've got so much going on, but you're bored at the same time, she says, I think that's what's happening with me. She says, I can identify Mm. with all of you over there on the too much side, but she said, I I, I get that, and I feel like I don't have anything exciting going on. So
1: what about that? Mm. So yeah, that a lot of... A lovely question. A lot of... One of my clients was talking about, you know, it's, it's all... It, something around that it, it all just sort of becomes clutter. hmm Yes. And you know, I've got a lot going on, but it's not, uh, you know, to use the overused coaching word, but I like it, Juicy.
0: Yeah, it's not so inspiring. It's, it's not she wasn't, you know, alive with uh that which was going on. It was just stuff on the to-do list. It was just stuff, 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 and really she was not excited or inspired by by most
1: of it. But yet there was a lot there, and we know from the prefrontal cortex that it needs a certain amount of stimulation. Um and, as you said, and if we have too much stimulation, we actually become less effective, and if we don 't have enough stimulation, we have become less effective and so there's a um, we 've had a call about this, and i 've got a blog about this, but just a real quick review we 're not talking about just sort of emotionally how you feel there 's a quality to the brain where it needs the chemicals that get generated with stimulation, and if it doesn 't have the right chemicals, the brain is not as the higher brain is not as focused. It's, we just say basically you're not as smart. You're not mm-hmm. able to access the smartest part of your brain if you're either overstimulated or understimulated. So what happens when you have a client who's a bit in both? Both too little is, and too much. <laughs> there is a really
0: um, interesting challenge to this, I found, because she brought up the concept of time, she said, "Well, I have all this stuff going on that saps the time out of my day and yeah. my week and my calendar. So, but the the things that are exciting to me and inspiring to me then end up, you know,
1: nowhere because I don't have time. I don't have time right. for them. And I think the other thing that happens when I look at myself and just even feeling into the kind of feeling into this space a little makes me tired. What I find when I'm in that place is I don't have time." And I, even when I do have time, I don't have any energy. Yep. I'm exhausted. Yep. And so the last mm-hmm. thing I want to go do is you know, do something that might be fun or start a new project because I don't have any energy. It's been sapped by all the stupid stuff. Mhm. Well, I I what what I was seeing during
0: that call and uh you know let me know how you feel about this and it's it sort of I I said to her well it sort of feels like you need to tackle this issue from both sides from the too yeah. much side and from the too little side it's really yes. um helping you know getting rid of at least a little bit from the two, you know, all the stuff that's uh, not inspiring and it's just weighs you down so that on the other side uh, of the curve, you can then, you know, you then
1: have a little bit more energy to really add something that inspires you. I I really love that. And I think it's, um, there may be other answers, but that would be the answer that I would look to. And as a coach, what I would look to is it's a little bit like you're, you want to get to the peak of the mountain, and the peak of the mountain is this just right place where you're stimulated and interested, you've got enough going on, um, you're not bored, but you also don't have so much that you can't, it just feels like plates spinning. And you really, it's a weird analogy, but I think as a coach, we have to help our clients climb the mountain from both sides. Mm-hmm. And so on the too, you know, the too much side, the question is what, is, what do you need to let go of? Where do you need to create some space? And on the too little side, the questions are, you know, they're really fulfillment questions, life Mm -hmm. purpose and values and things like that. Um, But you're right. It's kind of like you have to inch up on both sides, create a little space, so there's even enough room emotionally to think about your values. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Now, the other interesting thing that came up in this uh, this this call was that when you're in the when there is too much stimulation and too much stress um, one person on the call actually um, brought up a really good example, and she said, well, I know these two pe- Do these two things that are stressing me out right now, in six weeks they will be gone. They, they will be off my plate because they had a deadline, and she knew in mm. six weeks that would not be there anymore. So there is something about, I think also, that we are making up, I mean, I do this all the time. Rather than, you know, just thinking about what do I need to do now in this very moment? What can I create now? What can I, you know, what is the one little step that I can do now? I think, oh, I, I mean, I'm already, this how silly this is. I'm already starting to think about middle of September when our training season starts again. And I'm sort of like getting, I wouldn't say necessarily flustered, but I'm, I'm sort of mm-hmm. losing this lovely, spacious now moment mm-hmm. for the
1: sake of something that hasn't even happened yet. Right. Well, I think there's, there's two things I want to say about this a great conversation. So one is that, you know, one of the reasons we love to, to blend neuroscience and consciousness and coaching is that, um, even in neuroscience, the answer points to mindfulness and being present in the now. Mm-hmm. And it is yep. the answer to many things, if not everything. Eckhart Tolle, you got it right. The power yep. of now. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I want to say and I I uh, I was I so was on a call with one of my friends who's a fellow CTI leader and he's kind of my boss and he's just the most world's one of the world's most delightful people. And he was telling me about a new project that he that something happened and he has to take on all this new responsibility and and it was lovely because we were on Skype and I said, "Oh, but you know, but that has an end date." And he just He threw up his hands and he he said to me, oh, you are so funny. (laughs) And I think, you know, he had the wisdom to see that one of the things that happens, it happens in organizations and we do it to ourselves, is we develop greater and greater capacities to live with this stress and it's very easy for it to become the new normal. And mm-hmm. so when people say to me, yeah, but this is ending in two months, you know, yes, it's just like this right now in my organization, we're going through yeah. X, Y, Z, I am highly suspicious because I've knocked around too much to see, what, and what I can see is that um, it's it, the higher and higher levels of stress simply become the new normal. Yeah. And the the idea that at some point we're all going to get a chance to breathe is often bullshit. Well, because then there'll be something else. (laughs) (laughs) Go right ahead.
0: Yeah, there'll be something else. There'll be another challenge, you know, coming out of left field and, uh, you know, adding to the general, uh, you know, list of things to do.
1: Well, and, you know, one of, one, somebody was telling me, one of our students was telling us that they were working with an organization and because of the economic downturn a few years ago, um, you know, the organization said, we need everybody to pull together, we're going to eliminate some jobs, you know, we can, we can stay viable, but we all have to work harder and let's mm-hmm. go and, you know, really created this wonderful sense of team and everybody, you know, b- buckled their belts a little tighter and kind of did it. Well, of course, what happens is, um, the organization says, wow, you're really capable of much work. <laughs> <laughs> that works. That And so, yeah, look, at how, look yeah. at how much you can accomplish. And so, it, it, so everybody who's thinking, I just have to really put my shoulder to the wheel for the next 12 months, that has now become in that organization mm-hmm. the new normal. Mm-hmm. So this, what it points to me in terms of coaching, is the importance of saying right now. Right now, what do you need to do? Right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I want to be fair and say there are things like right now I've got right now I've got a lot on my plate I'm taking Noah to college I'm getting ready to move myself and there is something about saying yes this is a particularly stressful time and I know that there is an end coming but Ursula I also notice in myself my my natural tendency to continue to push. It's like I, it's like I'm my own organization, and I'm saying, "Well, look at how well you did with, you know, moving Noah yep. and writing a book yep. and all of the stuff that's on my plate. Look at what you're capable of," and then well, I end it, up it, spinning out of control. <laughs> Well, it's, uh,
0: which really, really brings me to this, um, to the, the one of the the last, the last one of the last comments is really exploring with clients what is the just right, what is not too much, what's not too little, what is the what is the feeling of the zone. Um, it gives us something to hold on to, whether we are, you know, under or overstimulated, And I completely get your point. I mean, I do this all the time, and then when I'm actually you know what is the weirdest thing for me is I'm so I'm in this just right and then I feel guilty about being in just right, isn't that yeah. it stupid? It's like, well, Oh, it's just right now. Well this is fantastic
1: and you know, rather than enjoying it is thinking, yeah. Well, shouldn't there be more? <laughs> Should shouldn't I feel more stressed? <laughs> Well, I think, you know, I think you really point to a really interesting cultural phenomenon that, you know, how often do you do, you you know, when you check in with someone, hi, how are you doing? You know, it's just so common to say, well, I'm really Mm -hmm. busy right now, rather than say, I'm just right. I'm just right right (laughs) now. I'm just right right now. It's all really good. I have just the right amount, and and how do we make that a how, how do we make that more of a, Cultural norm, whatever culture yeah. that we're in, and I think yeah. us in the in the West and you know uh certainly can speak for North America, we are particularly guilty of that um mm-hmm. you know I was just in brazil and and the mm-hmm. pace is very the pace is quite different there you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. well, I'm just thinking
0: about uh, you know germany and and vacation time i mean uh no self respecting German would you know take a summer vacation under two weeks mm-hmm. i mean it, it so anyway, we
1: need to finish up. Yes. we. I want to say a couple of things, which is that uh, for our listeners out there, we have lots of stuff starting this fall. If you go to our website, beaboveleadership.com, we have classes starting in D.C., in California. We have an executive coaching program in Toronto in the fall. Yep. We have a new series, um, new fast track um, available in London, England, and we are going to be in Spain for the first time in Barcelona in October. All of this stuff is on our website. If you can't find it, send us an email or a a Facebook message. But um, we just would love to have you in our classes and have you make this your neuroscience year. Yes, that would be
0: fantastic. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you also for your interesting and amazing questions. And thanks uh, also for hanging uh, in there with us as we are messing around with time zones. Thank you, Anne. It was a pleasure as always. And uh, we'll talk to everybody next month.
1: All right. Thanks, Ursula. Bye-bye.
0: Okay. Bye-bye.